Welcome to season three of Rethoughts. In this season, I'm trying to reduce the time of each of these episodes and focus in on a specific topic with each guest. In this first episode, I sit down with Shannon McNeil. Shannon markets for gyms and martial arts schools. In his free time, he likes to do jujitsu, lift weights, travel, and be an entrepreneur. Our conversation circles around thinking about what it looks like to create and design a life of meaning and purpose based on his own intentions and standards. If you would like to support Rethoughts, there are a number of things you can do. You can like and subscribe on wherever you listen to podcasts. You can share us on social media, support us on Patreon, or visit the products section on Rethoughts.com. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. You wear a mask for so long, you forget who you were beneath. Thought has developed traditionally in a way such that it claims not to be affecting anything, but just telling you the way things are. That doesn't make sense. Just when you think you know something, you have to look at it in another way. I know exactly what you mean. If you're real, you better tell me right now! What is real? How do you define real? Welcome to Rethoughts, a revolution of the mind. All right, welcome back to Rethoughts. I'm sitting here with Shannon McNeil, one of my uh, new friends that I met in Miami at a uh, mastermind, a marketing mastermind. Uh, Shannon, do you want to go ahead and tell us a little about what what you do? Yeah, for sure, man. Um, first of all, thanks for having me on. It's- kind of cool. Like you said, met in Miami. And I think the first night we went out to dinner after the main thing, like, uh, I don't know how we ended up like talking about some of the deepest shit ever. <laughs> Does get my guess on this, by the way? Yeah, no, that's fine. <laughs> um, yeah. So like we, I don't know, we had probably like a 30 to 60 minute conversation about the meaning of life. So, <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah, uh, a little bit about me, I guess what what I do. So I, I recently moved to Orlando, Florida. So that's some new for me. Um, grew up Spokane, Washington. Um, right now for work, I'm in marketing. So I work with a lot of gyms and martial arts schools across the country, uh, mainly doing digital marketing, do appointment setting, things like that. Boring stuff, you know, uh, business stuff. Um, but it's fun. I like it. And, um, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know how deep you want me to go into a bio because I could definitely talk about uh, <laughs> some crazy stuff, but. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, let's, uh, I, no, yeah, we can, we can dive right into, um, yeah, what you have been rethinking lately. Cool. So it says here, so I, I made him fill out a form trying to get more professional about this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> He says that lately I've been thinking about what it looks like to create and design a life of meaning and purpose based on my own intentions and standards versus the thoughts and beliefs of those I grew up around and the people I've spent time with. Yeah. So, which I started to say this a couple minutes ago before I started recording, but when you sent me that form, it was funny because I was like, oh, this is just a couple 
simple questions. I filled it out, I think, three times and started over because I was like, no. Because like as I was thinking through the prompts, I still got it really simple and concise, I feel like. But it was funny, like trying to gather my thoughts around like, what have I been, you know, really rethinking? Um, like one of your questions on there was like, um, you know, what keeps you up at night and things like that. And I was like, damn, this is, this is good. Um, but yeah, to dig into that a little deeper. So I'm 26, so I'm stupid young, right? Mm-hmm. And still stupid young to where I'm like, I do stupid shit. I'm not like old enough to where I start like doing smart stuff. So I feel like, I feel like I'm at the point though, where, um, I'm definitely trying to kind of choose my own path instead of kind of going by the default, um, the default systems that I was raised with. You know, I'm sure you've probably heard the term like uh, product of your environment. And I feel like a lot of people get stuck in that. I broke out. I mean, I left home when I was pretty young, um, kind of broke away from a lot of what I grew up with pretty quickly, but I still latched onto a lot of the patterns and stuff of the people I was around and it wasn't as intentional with who I wanted to be, what I wanted to do. Um, so yeah. yeah, we tend, we tend to mimic for sure as we grow yeah. up as opposed to, um, you know, learn for ourselves. I mean, sometimes we do, but, um, sometimes we do what our parents say and what the adults say, but it's mostly, yeah, this mimicry. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's funny because like growing up, there was a rebel side of me, like I was going to kind of do my own thing. But at the same time, there was a side of me that I was like, you know, I wanted my parents to think I was, you know, their favorite child or something. (laughs) You know, like there's definitely that like, yeah, follow the rules. And it's like certain ones. No, I'm going to break it. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) for sure. Well, yeah. How are we? uh, Well, you, what is your process in? um designing a life of meaning and purpose based on your own intentions. What does that look like? Yeah. I mean, obviously, uh, still trying to figure all of it out. Remember, stupid young. (laughs) Um, I, I think the, the, some of the main things that I'm realizing the last couple of years. So I work with like a couple, I've worked with a couple of mindset coaches over the last couple of years for more business stuff, but, um, you know, your business is limited to, how much, how, you know, how much you're growing. Um, nobody really has business problems. They have personal problems or reflect in their business kind of thing. So there's definitely been a realization of, I need to work through a lot of my own stuff and kind of figure it out. Um, one of the things I've noticed is the more I ask why, um, like, why am I doing this? Why do I think this way? Why do I, why did I just act that way? You know, on a sales call, somebody says something, and I have like this flare of like emotion or something like, why did I just get really agitated with this person? Like, um, so the more I ask why I think I can dig deeper into like the intention side of it, because a lot of our intentions, like you were saying, I think they're mimicked. Mm-hmm. Like after over time, like you can develop those patterns by watching other people and kind of seeing how they operate. And kind of follow those things. Oh, well, when they did this, they got that result. So I'm just going to, I'm going to be that person. It's like the, you know, when you had the really cool friend growing up that everybody was like, kind of admires. I definitely wasn't that friend, but, um, 
you know, everybody like watches that person. And they're like, you know, he dresses this way. He talks this way. He does this girls pay attention to him, you know, that kind of thing. I, I feel like there's still a lot of that that goes on. Um, so it's just like observing it right now, but the goal is to create a life on kind of my terms in the sense of, I know why I stand for the things I stand for and I've chosen the things that I stand for. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. It sounds like, uh, reducing your comparison to others for sure is, is one of those goals. And, um, I guess that gets me to my next question, which is what is the meaning and purpose behind what you're doing? Behind what I'm doing. Mm. Dude, that's such a deep question. <laughs> <Do you know? laughs> well, yeah. Cause it's like, it's like, uh, to design a life of purpose and meaning based on our own intentions. Like what you say mm -hmm. here, it's like, okay, well, uh, based on my own intentions now, what is the purpose and meaning? What, is, what is that? Yeah. Uh, I think I'd have to dig back a little bit because it's okay if I take a step back. Yeah. Totally. Cause I think one of the, the biggest things that have pushed me to like, think this direction, one to even start a business which I've started multiple, but like now like sticking to being an entrepreneur and that kind of thing, it's become such a part of my identity in a way because of the things growing up that like I, I hated. Um, so my dad owned his own business and I really admired that, but my dad also almost worked himself into a grave multiple times, you know, crazy work schedule, um, which I have learned, you know, I think there's positive and negative from everything. I've taken so much from that. My dad has taught me more than, you know, I could ever, ever ex like tell anybody. Um, and just watching that work ethic. I mean, I'm one of 12 kids. So like he had a lot of mouths to feed. There's a lot of stress and pressure. Yeah. Um, but I hated it. I, when I was in, I was probably like 14 or 15. I remember telling my parents, like, I don't want what you guys have. I will never do this. They, there was a conversation of like, you know, Hey, maybe you and your brother can take over the H HVAC business. I was like, there's no way. Um, I don't want what you guys have. And I was definitely, that was the way I said it was definitely hurtful. And looking back, I could have said that such a different way, but I was the rebellious, that was the rebellious side of me kicking in. Right. <laughs> Being very like, no, this is, and it was more than just the work thing, but I was like, I'm not going to have 12 kids. You guys are crazy. Like all that <laughs> stuff, which I still kind of think, but, um, <laughs> that hasn't changed. <laughs> that hasn't changed. No. Um, yeah, but I think that, that really, I mean, I was 14 when I started a business because I was like, money's going to be my way out of a lot of things. Um, and so yeah, I was like printing t-shirts out of my parents' garage. Like that was the first thing I did. Um, and it was every, is it felt good. Everything I could do that made me more independent gave me more choices. Okay. And so I think choice was, it's funny. Like um, I was on a coaching call the other day with, um, with uh, John Whiting. I don't know if, I think we were talking about him. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, he was asking like one of our highest values and all these people are dropping in the chat, like freedom. And he's just like, 
but what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, what does freedom mean? That's such, just such a vague thing. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, so I think I, I went through that phase of like, I don't want to be my parents. I want freedom. I want choice. I want to be able to choose. But uh, I didn't necessarily know exactly. I, I didn't create what that would look like. You know, I didn't like consciously, intentionally create like a, a blueprint for what my ideal life would look like. Mm -hmm. And now I know so many people, which you met James, um, yeah. in Miami. James is one of the most positive people I know consistently and not in like the weird way where it's like, he's just always like rose colored glasses. He's still very realistic about things, but he's positive and he plans everything. That guy is like, he knows exactly, like he's traveling next year. He's got it all mapped out. He knows exactly what he's doing, what his goals are, what it's going to look like, who he's going to try to meet. Like just okay. in crazy detail. Yeah. Like if you ask him, he can break some things down for you. And he accomplishes all this. Like he knocks goals out of the park. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's definitely that element of like this, this statement that I put in the air table thing of like, designing the life based off what I want. I just haven't, I don't think I, to this point I've been intentional enough to like realize I could design something that I want, you know? Yeah. Well, and it, well, it's really only by intention that you can design your life. Yeah. I mean, otherwise you're just kind of getting pushed and pulled in different directions as opposed to doing the pushing and pulling. Yeah. Yeah, what's the saying around that? It's like, um, choose what you want or what you want will be chosen for you or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what, uh, I don't know exactly what it is verbatim, but yeah, I've heard something along those lines for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I don't know, but, but to break down, because like even in there, like creating and design, uh, creating and designing what I want from business relationships and fitness. Like that's probably not the best way to put that, but it's like the main areas of life, you know, your spiritual life, your health, um, your relationships, the wealth you build, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, everybody wants it all. It's like, it's like putting, you know, in Google maps, I want to go somewhere, you know, nice and uh, fun. And it is not going to bring you anywhere. It's going to just come up with an error, you know, like <laughs> you got to know like specifically like what the building is, what street it's on, all that shit. Yeah. So yeah, I guess I'm in that, that phase where I'm trying to figure all that out. Like, what does that actually look like? What do I want? Why do I want it? Yeah. The direction for sure. Yeah. I, I forget who says it, but it's like, uh, some Greek philosopher or something. Uh, he says, if you do not know to which port you sail, any wind is favorable or something like that. So anywhere, any, any direction is fine if I don't know where I'm going. Yeah. You know, so, um, but there's also like the philosophy of, uh, what's his name? Boyd Vardy. Have you ever heard of uh, the lion trackers guide to life? You brought that up in Miami. I I remember, yeah, I don't remember everything, but I remember the name of that. Yeah, the... yeah, yeah. He has he has this concept of uh, I believe it's in that book. Uh, it's 
called the path of not here. Yeah, you, right? you mentioned that. Yeah, yeah. So there, it, there is kind of this importance in um, going on this journey and having kind of a vague direction. Uh, so, so he's a lion tracker, right? But he he tracks lions for safari, not for hunting, and he describes this path as the path the he describes the path of not here as being um you know you followed the tracks you followed all the indications um that a lion was here but then you keep going in that direction and eventually you don't find any other indicator Mm. right and so the thing that you're looking for the lion let's let's call it success let's call it freedom let's call it you know whatever contentment um it wasn't here so really the the next thing to do is get back onto the path of uh, like what the last known good the last indicator of okay this is where the lion was right so this is where i was content this is where i was most fulfilled this is where i felt like i was succeeding or whatever else because you know and, and it, it's it's kind of difficult in life i mean in in that analogy it's kind of uh a little bit easier to, to look around and well, I mean, I don't know. I've never tracked a lion. That's actually, I'm sure, <laughs> but it seems it's, it's more tangible, right? It's, it's you, you have your criteria for um, looking for indications of lion. You don't so much have a criteria criteria for looking for indications that you were on the right path uh, to success or to whatever else. But um yeah, I digress. <laughs> I was just going to say, uh, also, if you're tracking a lion, a lion's a moving target, you know? So it's a different game because it's kind of that, um, you know, if it's moving, it's not in one place. It's not like you're looking at a map, like you're following the tracks as you go. It's like, it's like the look two feet in front of you instead of, you know, way down the road. Yeah. It's interesting. I like that. Well, and, and so will your goals, you know, your goals are a moving target too, you know, mm-hmm. it's like circumstances change and your goals change your, uh, whatever you perceive to be fulfilling, um, or, or would be, or uh, whatever you perceive to be success. Let's say, uh, your parents wanted you to be a lawyer or something, and that's what you thought you wanted to be. And then coming down the line, uh, or, uh, getting closer and closer to that uh lion let's call it yeah you realize the lion wasn't here this isn't the lion at all (laughs) this this is not what i want (laughs) yeah well it's kind of like so well that and that kind of leads into like the want versus um intention sure well Yeah. yeah let's get into that what uh okay so um yeah. Okay. So what do you mean by want versus intention? Let's go, let's go into it. Yeah. Okay. And I, I know I hate to do this because I've already mentioned his name once, but I've been digesting a lot of John's stuff for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> but he uses this really good analogy with this. Um, wanting versus intending is like the guy that walks into the bar and he wants to bring the girl home and it doesn't matter which girl he's just got, you know, he's going to go up to every single one of them. He wants it versus the guy that walks into the bar 
walks down to the inn, orders a drink and chills and they come to him, you know, like he just creates this picture. He does it a lot better than I do, but yeah. Right. There's that push versus the pull. It's like your intention. Um, with the guy who walks to the end of the bar, um, even if that's what his goal is, and again, again, I'm going to, this is his thing. This is his story, not mine. (laughs) Like, uh, his analogy. But if you think about it, it's like, okay, if the guy knows the game, like he understands the dynamics of the room, he doesn't have to walk up and talk to every girl. But if he doesn't, that, but that would be based off intention. Like he's intending to, for something to happen. This sounds really sexist and terrible that, the way I'm telling it. It's, it's, it's to create the, uh, you know, the idea here. And, it's and uh, I think it's a good way to, it kind of, is a good way to think about um it's just, it's just like a really visual picture because you've walked you've probably seen the guy or have been the guy at one point where you walked into a bar and you know there's been a situation that's similar so i think that uh i'm gonna i'm gonna drop the bar thing but you get the idea um it's like instead of wanting for something to happen the guy that wants to make a million dollars will sit there and say i want it i want it i want it and he'll you know, feel like shit because he doesn't have it. And by saying he wants it, he's creating lack because he's saying he doesn't have it yet. Instead of the guy that says, I'm going to make a million dollars. And he figures out how much he has to make each day to make a million in a year and starts building a business plan to make it happen. Okay. Yeah. Probably a better analogy. I should have led with that one. (laughs) I'm just going to edit out that whole bar now. <laughs> just there you go. There you go. Well, but you also, yeah, you also, you, so you brought this up when we were in Miami, you told me that exact thing. Uh, and we were talking about paradoxical intention also. Mm-hmm. So like, for example, if I'm trying to fall asleep, I'm probably not going to fall asleep. Mm, yeah. If I am trying to stay awake, I will fall asleep in five minutes. So the guy that's, at the bar, you know, like I, I don't, I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of interesting because like his intention has to be, I'm going to the bar to have a drink, right? It can't be, I'm going to go sit at the bar so that I can get a girl, you know, I'm going to go act, I'm going to go act like I don't care so that this can happen because that is not, that is not intention that that is still the wrong intention. That is still like, I want to be seen. I want to be noticed. I want to be alluring all of this, all of this stuff. Right. (laughs) And so, and so then he's, he's not any different from that other guy. He's just doing something. He's just taking a different approach. So yeah, it's all about that intention for sure. And, um, you know, you talk about wants, uh, versus intention and what I like to get into is it's really about what do we deeply want, right? Mm. So it's not that the guy wants a million dollars. He thinks that a million dollars is going to make him feel better. Yeah. Right. He doesn't want a million dollars. He wants to feel better about himself. He wants to feel better about his life. He wants to do, he wants more freedom, you know, that vague term. (laughs) He wants, he wants peace. He wants all of these things. He wants a, a fulfilled relationship or or uh to feel like he's loved and appreciated and valued and what he thinks is going to get him there is a million dollars right yeah 
and so it it's it to me uh kind of finding our own uh intention like and purpose and meaning also comes down to really understanding what we deeply want and then becoming what i call deeply selfish because selfishness also gets this negative connotation, right? Oh, yeah. We can talk about that for a while, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Wait, let's we can get into that. No, no, but continue. I don't want to... Well, hear. yeah, no, you're good. Uh, but, uh, I mean, this is this is about you. This is your episode, man. So, uh, <laughs> you want to get... And I appreciate you, it. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, you're the man here. That's, that's what's going on. But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, if if you want to get into the yeah the selfishness, we can get into that. Yeah, yeah, a couple a couple of thoughts on that. So, um, you, yeah, you made a really good point there. With he doesn't the guy that with the million dollars thing, the guy probably doesn't really want the million dollars, but it's what he thinks is will get him what he really wants, and that kind of goes back to like the asking why, like how many times do you ask why, how many how many layers of the onion do you peel back, um, and I think you know, just my philosophy or, or, or a, a hunch here. I think a lot of the people that end up really miserable um, chasing money is because of that intention. They chase the money, not realizing they didn't want the money. They wanted what they thought it would give them. And then when they got it, it didn't give them what they wanted. So if they wanted that freedom, the vague term, and they haven't even defined it for themselves, or if they wanted, you know, security, or something, but they didn't even define that. But they just put money as the label. You get there, and you don't feel any of those things. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Not on time. No. Um, Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just. Uh, I don't know where I was going with that. No. Yeah. I, well, I mean, you just expanded on on that point. Um, yeah. No, for sure. There's a. Have you ever heard of Robert Persig? I haven't, no. Um, he wrote Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Okay. Have you heard of that? That's the title of the book, Zen. Yeah. <laughs> Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. And uh, uh, one thing that he says, I don't know if it's in that book. It's, a, it's just a quote by him. It might be in the book. But the only Zen that you'll find at the top of the mountain is what you take with you. Mm. And you can kind of just change that word out for um, like contentment or self-esteem or, you know, just any of these, these goals, these goal feelings, these ideal feelings or uh, beliefs about the self or whatever else. And, you know, the only gratitude that you'll find at the top of the mountain is what you take with you or whatever else, the only uh, peace, the only contentment, um, and so you will get to that point, like let's say the mountain is making X amount of dollars, making a million dollars. And uh, you want to you feel gratitude, you want to feel fulfilled, you want to feel, uh, like I said, yeah, gratitude for life. And it's like if you haven't been practicing gratitude on that journey towards it, you won't feel it then either. Yeah. Well, and it's kind of, yeah, the journey is the destination in a way, right? Yeah. Well, see, yeah, it's a, it's about becoming uh, more oriented to um, the journey itself versus the destination. Yeah. Right. 
learning to enjoy it, losing attachment or an infatuation with the destination because it's a moving target. Yeah. Well, it's also idealized. It's also a figment of your imagination until you get to it. Mm. And it's, it doesn't match up with whatever you expected, whatever you imagined. Cause it never does. Does it? It doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It never does. You, you reach a goal and you're like, is this really what it was supposed to feel like? <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's becoming process oriented versus, uh, yeah. Uh, product oriented or results oriented. Mm. I mean, there's numerous words you can place there. But. Yeah. I remember like growing up, um, it's funny. I, we did, uh, we did a lot of music growing up. And so I did like fiddle competitions, like actually playing a fiddle. Okay. Um, yeah, we're, we're into it. And uh, our whole family pretty much plays an instrument, like everybody. But anyway, I wanted to win like this, uh, like a fiddle competition so bad when I was like 12, 13, 14, something like that. And uh, practice like three, four hours a day, like that kind of thing where my fingers would bleed and all that fun jazz. But I was like, gonna do it. We go to all these competitions. It was like, no, no, no. Didn't even make it into like the second round. Then I remember I, when I fought the first one, I finally won. There was like, I don't know, like 10 or 12 people in my division versus like some of these where there's like 50, you know, 40 to 50 kids. And my dad's like, he did it, you know, like, you know, all excited for me. And I'm like, yeah. There's only like 10 kids though, <laughs> you know, like I didn't really, I didn't really like do anything crazy. I mean, I won, I got the trophy, but it didn't feel, I mean, I accomplished the goal that I set, but I, as soon as I got it, I was like, this doesn't feel right. Why not? That kind of, you know, Yeah. it was like a total letdown. <laughs> yeah. Well, it became more about that outcome than the music itself. Yep. You know, it's like, what about enjoying playing the, you know, it, 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 it also comes down to, you know, it's not about winning. It's about having fun. And <laughs> a lot of, a lot of people kind of dog on that mentality just cause it's, it's, uh, often accompanied by everyone gets a trophy kind of mentality. Yeah. Um, so there is wisdom in the, <laughs> it's about having fun. Yeah, more uh, and, and I don't I don't think there's much wisdom in everybody gets a tro- trophy kind of thing, but um, there there is. Uh, have you ever heard of Alan Watts? Yeah, yeah. So he he talks about how it's more of a musical thing, right? So life is uh, often analogized as being a journey with a destination, and the point is to get to that destination. What he says is that it's more of a musical thing that we are uh, to sing or dance through life. Mm-hmm. So you don't get on the dance floor with the objective of ending up on that particular tile on the floor. You know, you you get on the dance floor with the objective to just dance, right? So it's what he says is it's more of a musical thing, and so. Uh, or like in comp- uh, composing music, if it was about the end, the if, if the point was the end of the composition, then all the best composers would write only finales, mm. right? 
we would go to concert, go to concerts. He says, we would go to concerts to hear one crashing chord. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to look at it. One crashing chord. Yeah. And so, so it's not about, it's not about that destination. It is about, it's, and it's not about winning. It's about, um, part of, you know, to tie back into that, yeah. uh, that phrase, it's about having fun, right? It's about becoming process oriented to the point where you are just living and dancing through life that you achieve goals, you achieve, um, all of these things mm. simply because you couldn't help it simply because that's just where the process takes you. Yeah. But I think there's, there's also, I don't know, you might not agree with me on this, but I don't think fun's the right word yeah. or maybe the right, maybe it's just not looked at the right context in this situation. Cause like a lot of the things you do, the journey is going to be really hard and it's not going to be fun. But if you realize what's going on, you can still enjoy it, you know? Sure. Yeah. Well, but at the same thought earlier, sorry, what'd you say? It's like the pain and the beauty that you were talking about earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, real quick at the same time, you think about these, the, the games that we play as kids and we're told, okay, just go out there and have fun winning. It's not about winning. Like, it's still hard. Yeah, there's still we still have an opponent, right? We still have to overcome something, and so, um, and it is in that overcoming it, and in that um, the process of trying to figure out, figure it out, and test yourself over and over again, that it is fun, mm. right? So it's it is in a way still fun, even though it's hard. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, and it's like dancing is taxing. Dancing is it, is... I don't dance. I don't know. <laughs> that one doesn't hit well with me. I just, I, I mean, I'm, I don't know. I've never, never been a dancer. Yeah. Well, I love dancing. Oh, I mean, but you play music. So, yep. is is any part of playing the fiddle taxing? Oh yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> everything has. Well, everything has positives and negatives, right? Yeah. Totally. So yeah. Yes. Yeah, but it, it's in like the, the overcoming, like the, the calluses and stuff on your, the yeah. on your fingers and whatnot, where, where you're just so uh, enticed by learning how to do something music, music wise. I, mean, I don't play any instrument. I would like to, I'm not very musically inclined, but I like to move. And, uh, but it is in that process that, um, and overcoming it, like the, the little hardships that uh, that's why it's fun. Otherwise it would be pointless. So you say that it's not, that it's, it might be the wrong word. And sure. I, I do agree. It's probably not the best word to use, but it, I think it's true. I think the funnest, the most fun thing you could do is pursue um, your purpose, your in, in, with intention. Yeah. You made a good point there. I, th I think the, the one thing that, maybe I was trying to say, or the, the thing that I think needs to be communicated when talking about this. Cause I, I think I see that a lot with kids now um, where it's like the parents, you know, they'll throw them into a lot of different activities mm -hmm. and it's like, Oh, but they didn't enjoy that. So we pulled them out when my folks, it was like, you know, growing up like soccer, I played, started playing soccer when I was like five. Yeah. Um, I got, 
the crap kicked out of me for a little while. I still, I mean, I kind of liked it because I'm a bit of a glutton for punishment, but you know, <laughs> I feel like it wasn't like a, well, I mean, I'm sure I could have quit, but my parents weren't like, oh, well maybe you should try baseball, you know, like, um, so I think that's, cause I definitely went through a phase where I was like, I was searching for what I was passionate about, you know, yeah. um, and I was looking for what was fun and what felt natural when it's like every time I hit struggle or, or something like that, where it wasn't as fun, there's a process there, but I, I wasn't mature enough to understand that there was a process of yeah. getting the calluses and things like that to get to more of that fun stage. Um, so yeah, I think we're saying the same thing from different angles, but. Well, yeah. And, but then, then we also have to talk about, well, I mean, we've already talked about it, but you, you have to then think about, uh, it sounds like there was a lot of uh, results driven action. You're, there's results. Uh, there's a result orientation towards a lot of the activities. And so if the result is, this is hard, if the result is I'm having uh, too great of an obstacle and like you see that and it's not what you expected, right? It's not, it's not that idealized outcome, but the idealized outcome might be, well, something closer to that idealized outcome might be on the other side of that obstacle. Mm, so, yeah. So it is, uh, you are operating from what, from what it sounds like in an, in a framework of results orientation yeah and i don't think that's necessarily my folks i think that's just me (laughs) (laughs) well and and it might it might be it's it's uh ingrained in probably most people in um our society uh, especially just Mm. because of a competitive nature and and also a creating like these focal points like goals and having like idealized um individuals in our lives so mm. seeing the person on social media who is making that million dollars and seeing them do x y and z the things that we want to do but uh in reality statistically they're probably fairly miserable i mean i don't want to impress that onto anybody put it right, like, no, no though. yeah i'm not i'm not going to generalize but at the same time, you know, if, if they are like-minded, they're probably miserable, mm. right? If they are, if they, uh, were you once in your position, uh, not your position specifically, but, uh, anybody who is looking at that person, uh, the, the chances of them getting past that feeling are fairly slim. Yeah. There's a lot of growing and, and introspection that has to take place between, um, point A and, and point Z that doesn't usually happen. Yeah. Damn. I, okay. So whoever's listening, <laughs> haven't met Jonah. He does this all the time. <laughs> you'll, you'll start a civil conversation. The next thing you know, like you're rethinking everything you've ever, ever thought. Uh, I love how deep you go with shit, bro. It's awesome. It's like that. Okay. So I've got a buddy who, um, used to work for me. He's actually, I don't know, he's kind of on a crazy endeavor of like re-engineering how education, like traditional education is. Okay. He's definitely one of those guys like, um, like talking to you reminds me of him a lot because there's no such thing as a casual conversation. And it, everything ends up, and it's like, it's not like, you know, oh shit, here we go again. It's like, I'm all in. Like 10 minutes into it, I'm like, holy shit my mind is blown, you know? Um, 
No, I, I, I appreciate that. Cause there's not very many people that I meet on a daily basis that are like you and James and Brandon and, you know, those people that can take something and dig in so deep to where you're looking at the little minute fibers of this. Yeah. So, well, to, to be able, I think it's so valuable to, to get in there and be able to um, make the observation that it's the framework, not mm-hmm. the activities, you know, like what, what we just did. Um, you know, I'd, I'd like people to, I'd like to highlight that real quick, just because, um, you know, you're, you're talking about pursuing these different things that you might've been passionate about. You still like there, there might've been some passion in there somewhere, but if we approach it from that framework, then it's very difficult to figure out what is worth it. Mm. It, It's very difficult to, to look at the results of your efforts. If you don't have enough data as a kid, you're definitely not going to pursue it. Yeah. Right. So the ones that are like, I want to become pro or what? <laughs> oh my God. Are you like, just- that's probably not going to happen. But the ones that are like, I love this sport. Yeah. They have that. They have an exponential uh, greater chance to go pro just because they love the sport. Dude, it makes so much sense. I literally in soccer. I, so I played for like eight or nine years, but like the last couple of years, I was like, I'm going to be a pro soccer player. Like that was my, <laughs> like, yeah, no. Um, that didn't happen at all. I, just, I don't even play anymore. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm a perfect example of what you just said. That's so funny. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like I had the same feelings about uh, like rock climbing. You know, I had a I had a goal. You know, I wanted to be, you know, pro level. I, I didn't necessarily want to go pro, but I wanted to be that good. But I didn't enjoy uh, all the training that you would have to do to get there. So it's like, and it, it's not that it was, it was hard. I mean, it is extremely difficult, but it was more so like, I didn't want to devote my life to that, but I wanted to be a pro level. I wanted to be a badass rock climber and you're not a rock. You, wanted, don't, you don't think you're like Alex Honnold material, man. You got it. Idiot. Well, I mean, I, if you could call that guy pro, I mean, <laughs> just <laughs> Uh, that's a joke for anybody who's a rock climber listening. That's a joke. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not even a rock climber, and I know that was a joke. <laughs> Alex Honnold, don't come after me. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it, to be able to understand um, the framework, because that's really that's really one of our greatest obstacles is is the framework in which we look at things. Um, yeah, have you ever heard of mental models? I've heard the term. Probably from James, but yeah, I've heard the term. Yeah, so, um, I mean, there's tons of mental models out there, but um, there's a certain, uh, I forget what it's called, but uh, it has to do with like like your background. So mm-hmm. so a an engineer is going to look at a problem differently than a biologist. Yeah. And so they have a framework, uh, they have a lens through which they look at a problem or at anything and and their how they approach it it's going to be vastly different and so if you can understand that framework and look at things differently then like if i'm a biologist and i'm like okay i'm too pigeonholed right now i can't figure this thing out okay back up what else what else is there what yeah. other model what other framework is there for me to look at this problem doesn't that kind of 
tie into because like the Enneagram, that kind of is a way to create like those mental models in a way, right? Yeah, uh, that they give you uh, some guidance, some direction for sure. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I think the one thing too, though, with because I'm familiar with that concept, with like different filters you look at things through problem, like different people will look at a problem and see it a completely different way. Um, but I think that the funny thing is too, is like people don't realize there, obviously there's like your natural, um, just who you are as a person, like your character and all that stuff and your, how your brain works, your chemistry, you're going to look at it naturally a certain way, but a lot of things you can really change how you look at it. Um, cause those filters can be developed over time by, by your environment. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, yeah, but, but you're always adaptable. And I think that's something that people forget. Yeah. We talked about that in Miami. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we, okay. So we talked about the Enneagram. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now it's called come back. Cause you were talking about <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's adaptable. Yeah. 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 You just had to say that word. Come back to you. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, see, like, and you know, even when we were having that conversation, um, I, I, anytime I talk about personality testing, I do um, reiterate over and over that I think it's useful, but I do think uh, it there's a point of uh, diminishing returns on it, and um, I think that point is when you identify. <clears throat> excuse me, so strongly with whatever is diagnosed that you are now limited by it. Yep. So it, the identity then becomes the obstacle. And what podcast are we on? We are on rethoughts. <laughs> you gotta rethink that shit. You gotta, you gotta flip it on its head. And uh, what's the word? What's the word? Um, dissect it. Yeah break it apart, you know, and, um, you know, when we were having this conversation, this is where I started talking about the wild mind. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, it's funny, James, I was on a call with James earlier today. He, he, uh, one of the first things he did was he pulled up two books and (laughs) recommended to him. I was like, no shit. One of them was wild mind. It's so, I was uh, impressed. So, so like you recommended that to him two books and he ordered them right away? Well, he has three books recommended that I recommended. And yeah, he has, <laughs> he has all three. And then he's, he, I talked to him about another one today and he's, I think he already ordered that one. <laughs> yeah, man. He's, he doesn't let uh, grass grow under his feet at all. I told him about <laughs> um, what was the, uh, the art of learning by, uh, was it John? He's that chess player. Okay. Um, freaking nature. But anyway, I mentioned that book casually. A week later, I walk in. We were going to the gym. I walk into his apartment, and he's got it sitting on his kitchen couch. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Moves quick. Moves quick. That's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, well, let's, I want to get into now what keeps you up at night. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So <laughs> on the form, this is literally what I put it. On the board, I put in worrying about the future or regrets from the past. Can't get any more vague than that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Right there. Yeah. Um, yeah so I, <laughs> again, I'll backtrack a little bit. I, I worked with this gal a couple years ago during like the whole COVID thing. 
she does, she's like a mindset coach. She does some interesting like NLP stuff. And um, at the time, I was very stressed about many different things, business and personal stuff, all that. Um, and I'm one of those people that stresses about a lot of things. And I know I just put a label on myself by saying that, but habitually, it was kind of a thing. Um, so she was kind of helping me work through that stuff. And she did this exercise. I don't remember exactly what it entailed, but at the end, the results were like basically how you're spending your time. Are you spending your time in the past, the present or the future? And like 70 some percent was past and future. And like just a sliver was present. <laughs> so I've definitely got better at it. Um, so the book that I put in there, how to stop worrying and start living, I have to jump ahead, but, um, I've read that thing probably six or seven times now. And one of the first things in the book he talks about is living in daytight compartments. Mm, okay. And really not letting myself think too far ahead actually helps me with a lot of things. Um, so kind of planning out, okay, this is the direction I'm headed. This is kind of some goals and milestones. Spending some time figuring that out so I can figure out what the daily actions need to be. And then I can't maybe glance at it every now and then, but I can't look at that future stuff too long or I'm lost. And then it's like, you know. So yeah, staying up at night thinking about that stuff. I sleep a lot better now. But uh, there's definitely been periods, there's like those seasons in life um, where, yeah, it was just like stupid stuff. Like you sit there and like think about a bunch of random crap or some random conversation you had a month ago. It's like, I wish I would have said that different. I could have, that's, it's the, you know, the tricks your mind plays on you. But did you, I don't know. Did you have any specific questions on that? Or well, yeah, it sounds like you're an overthinker, right? So, oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. Sure. You read me like a book, bro. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, an overthink. Just uh, that simple statement: worrying about the future or regrets from the past. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I, I mean, you're talking to a fellow uh, overthinker. You know. <laughs> so, I knew we connected yeah. on some level. <laughs> I mean, you got to overthink a little bit to to get to where I'm at with, you know, like making a podcast like this. So yeah, your your podcast is literally rethought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, no. kind of, it's kind of a problem, but <laughs> no. Um, so what what kind of has helped you most in uh, grounding yourself in the present? Hmm. I know you said this book, but is there any specific um, practice or exercise? Um, so one thing that helps me a ton, and I've noticed this really, there's there's definitely a handful of things. So I'll kind of spit some out. But the, like, the one thing which I know we can connect on is doing something physical. Because I work behind a desk all day. And if I'm not, I literally bought, I got it today. I got a one of those desk treadmills. So I'm like all excited because I can walk throughout the day while I'm on call. Um, but if I'm not, so if I don't go to jujitsu a handful of times throughout the week or go hit the, the gym, I, it gets way worse for me. And I think, I don't know if it's just because 
yeah, I, I think it's just just the inactivity. Like I got to do stuff with my hands. Like when COVID hit, I was telling you earlier, I like decided I was going to build a bus and like went all out on this thing. Um, I couldn't sit idle. Like I had to do something. So that definitely helps. Like just doing something physical, um, you know, picking up things, putting them down, hitting something. I don't know. <laughs> um, living in daytime compartments is a big one um, from the book. Uh, I, I did a lot of meditation and stuff for a while. I haven't been as much. Um, like, honestly, I couldn't tell you the last time I did, honestly. Um, just because it doesn't, I feel a lot more calm about things. Um, that was like the biggest benefit I got from it was just calm me down and help me think through things slowly. Um, but that did help for a long time. I think it's just like realizing that the things that I think matter don't, <laughs> yeah. you know, like it's two weeks from now. I won't even remember any of it. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah. so yeah. How do you um, kind of decipher what's going to matter and what's not going to matter? Again, still working on it. <laughs> I got to create some frameworks and, and mental models for that. <laughs> um, yeah, the tough thing I think is part of the tough thing for that. Um, my dad was a yes man, had a hard time saying no. And I, again, said, I'm not going to be like you. And I ended up just like him in that way. <laughs> um, so I have a hard time telling people no, like, you know, clients ask for extra stuff or a friend needs something that like, you know, you know, you end up going way above and beyond and end up sacrificing stuff you need to do. I ask um, you on a podcast. <laughs> I, ask, I ask you to be a guest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's good. Uh, but yeah, so I think when it comes to like figuring out like what's like the important stuff, like prioritizing, the word priorities was not even in like, it wasn't even a word, it was priority. And then we added the, the little tease later because we had too much shit to do. Um, so really each day, like what's the one thing that if I get it done, it was a success. I wish I could say that was literally how I approach every day. It's not, but that's kind of what I'd like to, you know, adopt. Um, but it's, it's, I, there's definitely a pattern in my life where I, create walls around situations because I don't want to be in, uh, overcommitted. And so, I mean, I'm single guy, I live alone, you know, I'm pretty introverted. Like I go to jujitsu in the mornings and then I like work all day. Like I don't have much of a social life other than masterminds and podcasts now. So, <laughs> um, so you needed this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I needed this. No, I literally, I had like, I had a call with James like right before this too. So okay. it's, yeah, it's like a, it's an all day thing. Man. <laughs> I, I had to fire people and hire people and all that shit. Um, what was the question again? I've totally, I've totally got a rabbit trail now. Uh, well, it was about deciphering uh, like what is, what is, what are the thoughts that matter and what doesn't matter? Or how do you, how do you know what's going to matter and what's going to matter to you in a week? Yeah, in a week, yeah. 
because you said a lot of the things that you think about, you know, you just had to come to the uh, realization that most of it's just not going to matter. But then it's like, well, how do we decide what is going to and what's not? I mean, obviously there, there are like, oh, I shouldn't have said that thing that one time. Why did I say that? (laughs) The the things that we can't change about the past for sure. Um, Well, I mean, but at the same time, it's like, should I apologize? You know, like what, Right. What makes sense? What is mm. going to matter? So how do how do we how do we set that? Yeah. Um, I so to answer the question directly, <laughs> I think it's what's going to move the needle forward, and that sounds like a very like I don't know business guy entrepreneur thing numbers whatever, but you kind of like have to look at things that way. Um, especially when you got like a team and clients and stuff like that, people that rely on you. Um, so yeah, I think it's like, like I was saying earlier, like you have to have like an idea of where you want to go, but then you got to, I, for me anyway, I gotta have an idea, but I can't focus on the idea. I got to like focus on what I'm doing right in front of me. Yeah. If I'm tracking that lion, I don't know where he's at up in the mountains right now, but I'm following his tracks here. Um, just what's the next step, you know, like what is, what is the next thing I have to build or do or sometimes say no to? Yeah. Yeah. What, what kind of brings us closer to that desired out- outcome? Like what is the next step I can see? Yeah. Yeah. No, I remember we are, we're, we were going to get into like what, it, uh, like selfish selfishness. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. We got brought up like deeply selfish. Uh, I was, I was waiting for you to be like, well, get closer to what I want or whatever. You know? <laughs> After everything I've said on this, I can't say the word want now. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I was, I was wondering if it, I mean, you kind of did with the, the needle, moving the needle forward. You know, I, I think that is kind of a uh, more, yeah, business minded way of saying like getting what I want, you know, getting closer to, to the outcome that is desired. No. Mm. Um, but yeah, what is, uh, you seem like you had a few things you wanted to say about selfishness. Yeah. So, yeah. So I've had very long conversations with people about this. Um, so I'll use, I'll use both my dad and my grandpa as an example. And I, I pref, like start with this whole statement. I love them both. And I've learned so much from them in no way. Am I trying to say, I look down on either my dad or my grandpa They're They've taught me so much spent a lot of time with both of them and I'd probably closest with them now that I ever have been, which is great, even though we live so far away, but I still talk to them all the time. Um, but there's the thing of learning from others' mistakes. And I've talked to both of them about this, um, or my dad than my grandpa, but they're both very giving people. My dad has a hard time saying no. Right. And, um, he is one of the most selfless people ever will give you the shirt off his back. Um, and literally like kind of did at certain points growing up and me and my older brother have talked a lot about it too. It's like, you know, we just, I remember when he, he sold his business and he ended up getting a job with a school district in Oregon. Um, and they moved and everything. This was like five, six years ago. And he, it was the first time I've ever heard him talk about friends at work. And I'm like 20 some years old. And I'm like, that's cool. My dad's got friends at work now. <laughs> you know, like, 
you know, me and my brother were talking about that. He was just like, I've never, like, never heard my dad talk about his friend. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> um, so the funny thing that I've noticed or observed um, and was really hard, I think, for me and my older brother, because we kind of, kind of in the same boat. Um, he gave so much of himself away that he didn't have anything else to give. Um, you know, his time, he gave that, he was, he was working, providing on his off time. He was, you know, remodeling the house, um, chopping firewood, like whatever you gotta do, you know, um, fixing the truck. So yeah, I mean, he didn't do anything for himself and it sounds weird. Cause I don't know. I, it probably sounds weird. I wish he would have done more for himself. Um, and I know he's now like, we've talked about this and he's like, I don't even have a hobby. I don't even know what that is. And I'm 50 some years old. Like, I don't um, but his dad, my grandpa, um, in many ways, the same way. My grandpa was very involved in church. Uh, when my dad was growing up, very heavily involved in ministry and all their time. Like my dad's has said several times, like uh, he would come home to an empty house because they were, you know, traveling with the choir or something, you know, who knows? Um, he's still, he's, you know, I don't even, I'm, I don't even know how old he is. He's like late seventies or something. And, you know, has some health problems and stuff. He's still at church almost every day, helping the worship team and all that stuff. Um, very giving. But not just his time with his money. Like, he gives more to charity and more to their church financially than, um, you know, he probably puts into bills and stuff, you know, like his expenses. He's retired and he's, you know, he's, he's okay that way. But... It's funny because there's this story my grandma talks about this lot next to their house where they sold it off um, for like next to nothing. And they had this idea of put, putting storage units there because um, this town was getting bigger or whatever. He's like, nah, we just sell it. We can use that money for this, this, and this. And she's like, we got to invest. He's like, that's a selfish thing. Like, we don't need to do that. And I'm totally paraphrasing the whole conversation. Like, yeah. it wasn't that <laughs> That was the gist. Well, the person that bought it put in storage units and now they are crushing it. You know, like after over the last 30 some years, they've just made a killing. So, um, yeah, uh, there's, there's definitely that negative connotation with, or, or a negative outlook on the, uh, selfishness thing. And I think for you to be able to give more, you have to, um, be more selfish. You have to protect your time have to protect where your energy goes. And um, I think it's important to invest in, you know, of course, you know, financially, but, but in other things as well, you know, with your time and, and your, uh, your focus. Because if you don't, if you're not growing, like, what do you, what do you have to give to people? For sure. So yeah. no, I like that. So what is your, so your uh, how do you how do you feel like you compare to your dad and your granddad? The hard questions. <laughs> Welcome to rethoughts. Welcome to rethoughts. Um, that's a fair question too. You know, um, 
I it's funny because like I like I like the idea of how many people we help with like with my business. So like the people like we work with gyms and martial arts schools. I work at the kind of guys that like are cavemen like me that don't have deep thoughts. <laughs> they lift things up and they put them down. Um, a lot of like martial arts guys and gym owners, which don't get me wrong. There's some geniuses out there, but at the same time, a lot of those guys that we work with, we end up working with a lot of guys that they're starting a gym out of passion, man. They don't have any idea of what running a business is like. They don't have, I mean, they're just learning the term payroll and taxes, you know, um, a lot of blue collar guys. And that's the, that's where I, you know, grew up. Um, those, those are the kind of people I can connect to, but we, I mean, I love helping the businesses that we work with. Um, also like the team we have, uh, I love, you know, building team and culture and internally, like seeing some of the employees lives change. Um, so yeah, I think right now I'm definitely in that very selfish phase of not putting much effort into like personal relationships and stuff like that, but building the business, which is definitely a selfish endeavor for me, but also I'm able to help people through it. And I'm able to help a lot more people than I would just by volunteering, you know, uh, at church or something. So nice. Yeah. I was just wondering how, how you think you compared to that. Uh, sounds like a abundant selflessness. Um, yeah. Well, they're both better than men than me for sure. So <laughs> I can pair, but well, <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's also, um, so this is, this is what I brought up earlier, um, about being, so understanding what you deeply want for one thing, but, um, also, and then, and then operating, uh, from a place of deep selfishness and, you know, selfishness mm. does get, uh, negative connotation right i i for one though am an advocate of being so deeply selfish but you have to understand what i'm talking about and from what it sounds like you are acting a little bit more like deeply selfish than service level selfishness right so you are creating this culture and in your workspace you are helping people, you are also changing employees' lives, and then you are developing an asset to the point where you could then, I mean, I don't know what your intentions are later in life with that kind of asset, but you could then put it into other things like your dad and granddad do, mm -hmm. right? helping and being a yes man, right? Yeah. But you could do it with discretion as opposed mm -hmm. to an, having an inclination to doing it because and, and not to, I'm like, I'm not going to uh, like rag on your dad or granddad, but, you know, to an extent, it is a kind of selfish, surface level selfish endeavor to be such a yes man, mm -hmm. right? Because you're, and, and I'm not going to get into like everybody's intentions. I'm not going to, like I said, generalize anybody, yeah. throw everybody under the same umbrella, but oftentimes it's, it's about how I feel, right? I don't, I don't want someone to not like me. 
I don't want to let this person down or whatever else. And sure, there are the intentions. There are also uh, coupled with that. There's often the intention of, I want to give, give, give. Um, but the, there's, uh, if we dig into it, there's also often this, uh, it makes me feel good kind of thing. Yeah. I'm validated, but you're also, it sounds like there's the potential for, um, uh, people like in your dad and your granddad's position to spread themselves so thinly that some of those things, they can't really do it justice. Some of those things that they have dedicated some time to is uh, like they, they might wish they could have done more. And, and you know, the, it's a reprioritizing of uh, those things that would help them realize that will help them. Yeah. Help them realize that, uh, goal right yeah so but like with what you're doing um yeah it sounds it sounds to me a little bit more like you are deeply selfish which is not a bad thing in my opinion at all i think everybody should be deeply selfish because i think everybody operates selfishly and without realizing it yep. operate selfishly and then sometimes call it compassion it's like well no you were acting selfishly but you just wanted to feel and you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna like i said generalize but yeah there there's so many of our actions that are driven by how we feel not how somebody else feels and so there's that whole debate of like is there any any such thing of true altruism it's like i don't know i couldn't it's how can you really measure it i mean i think i think really coupled with it there is there's uh usually something selfish about it but then also something compassionate about it i think that it's usually not one thing so that's why i think it's extremely important to understand your what you deeply desire like deeply which is you know a culture uh in your business potentially right that that creates abundance yeah Yes, there's definitely a piece of to it there. This okay, this is crazy. Again, another pff, mind blown. Um, so the way I dude, the way you just described that, beautiful. Couldn't have said it better myself. Because there's definitely like a selfish way of a, a selfish um intention there without them even probably even realizing it. And this is the crazy thing, and I, I kind of ties back into what I put in the air table was um, the purpose, you know, creating the the life based on your own purpose and your own intentions and everything um, and your own standards. So you choosing that because I, I feel like I definitely went through this phase and I'm sure a lot of people can relate where you are doing things and you know, it's because you're worried about what other people think or what other people are going to say or other people are going to feel about you, right? Mm -hmm. That's a very selfish thing. But maybe, you know, there's definitely those things of I'm not going to be selfish. You know, I'm going to be a selfless individual. I'm going to be that servant at heart and give, 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 give. But really what you're wanting is everybody to see this, you know, these, these good deeds, this, uh, giving heart you have, 
because you're worried what other people think more than you're worried about what you can actually accomplish. We can actually do the things you can actually create lives. You could change. Yeah. Yeah. You, like I said, it's like you've, you've called it selflessness, but uh, you've, well, you've just disguised your selfishness of wanting approval um, with selflessness and made it look like compassion Mm. or whatever else, like that you care about everybody when really you just care about what they think about you. Damn. Okay. So your book you're writing (laughs) is, is, is it written as well as you just explained that because (laughs) bro, Um, no, but yeah, I don't know. Okay. So, I'm definitely a bit of a caveman, and I joke about this all the time with, with people. <laughs> um, my first, my first and second language is English, so I I'm trying to become a better like communicator, right? Because yeah, that's a big yeah. part of what I do, like sales. And, yeah, yeah. Like, um, dude, you're so concise with your words, bro. <laughs> you are so like, you're intentional with with your sentences. Thank you. Yeah. I feel like I like vomit just things and sometimes it forms a sentence, but. It... <laughs> well, like when you're explaining the things that, you, that you're well-versed in, I'm, I'm lost in the sauce, right? I'm lost in like what you're saying. Well, not that I'm that you're losing me, but that <laughs> I'm like, damn, he is, is explaining, you know, uh, like when we're going over uh, your sales process and like VA acquisition, all of these things, it's like, you know, it, it, it makes sense to you. It's like, I can't talk about those things. I don't have a ton of questions because I don't really know what to ask. I don't know how to articulate the question. There's a question percolating up there. It's, it's, you know, going through all its filters and whatnot, but it's not coming out yet because I don't know, I don't know how to ask it. Um, when it comes to this type of, these types of things, um, I've long, jam. yeah, I've long been a ponderer of how people think Yeah, and what gets in our way and, uh, you know, more recently becoming a practitioner of those <laughs> thoughts, you know? So yeah, it's, it's, it's sure. I, I can be pretty articulate. I know, I know a you know, swath of words. I'm just trying to, <laughs> words. <laughs> but <laughs> well, it's okay. So um, I think when, when I told James that we were jumping on later tonight, I was like, I'm, I'm definitely gonna go into this hoping to learn more because, <laughs> like, I can learn a lot from from Jonah. Um, I've actually got a couple of questions for you. That's okay. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So first off, and I've listened to a couple of your podcast episodes. Why, like, why wouldn't you start a podcast to publish? I, I kind of already know why because we talked about it a little bit, but like, I want to hear more deeply, like you're basically taking these deep conversations where there's definitely controversial opinions, thoughts, um, you know, things that probably close family and friends might not agree with you on at all. I've definitely said stuff in this podcast episode that like my folks hear it. Oh man, I'm going to get some phone calls. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sending it to them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thanks. So like, why would you decide to do that? Cause that's not, um, especially for someone who overthinks, which I can relate with you on. Um, that's, that's not a decision that most people would choose. Most people would kind of hide from that 
when you overthink about that, like you're putting a lot out publicly, um, sharing a lot of like your thoughts about things. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. why would you decide to do that? I'm, I'm curious. I kind of know, but I'm, I'm curious, like how you'd articulate that. Yeah. Well, so this whole thing came about because I would have enough of these conversations in person where somebody would uh, kind of have this, the same phenomena where you're like, holy shit, my mind has just been blown. Yeah. They, they have an epiphany. And I love that. I love watching the look on somebody's face when they realize something and the feeling that they get. Hmm. Imagine the feeling that I get when I see some, something click in somebody, you know, <laughs> it's, I love it. But, uh, so I pursue epiphanies for one thing, but like I said, it all started, uh, having these conversations and the person I'm having this conversation with saying, I wish that was recorded or I wish I was taking notes. And I'm like, well, shit, maybe I should record some conversations. And so, yeah, I've, I've had to grow into the voice a little bit because it is at first uncomfortable. I am, uh, not all that concerned about being vulnerable because I believe that being vulnerable is really the best approach yeah. to anything. Um, getting to know someone, having these conversations, having any conversation. Well, I mean, obviously there's, there's some, sometimes where you should be guarded or, or sometimes where it's not appropriate to do so. But when it comes to conversations like this, open up. Yeah. And, and so um, I kind of take it upon myself to hold that identity of, uh, I mean, I, like I started the podcast, you know, like I, I am an overthinker, but at the same time, when I'm in this role, I'm a different person. I take on a different personality. I take on the, the personality, the role of, um, facilitator of, of these thoughts, facilitator of this conversation. And it's, it can't be scary. It can't be scary for me to say exactly what I think about, um, you know, and, and I try to put it delicately, you know, like I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and say, well, your granddad and your dad are selfish. <laughs> Why? You know, it's like, no, I'm not going to assume their intentions. Right. I'm, yeah. it, and it might be controversial. Somebody might hear that and say, they're not selfish. That's not selfish at all. But, but, you know, me and that person, whoever has that reaction can have a conversation. And I will reveal to them exactly, you know, what I think about it you know, and, and explain why. And I'm, I'm not scared of that type of conversation because I have a firm grasp on a lot of these different frameworks. And so, you know, I, so I like to understand how we think, not what we think, mm. you know, like, and sure. Yeah. That I, I like to understand what we think too, but, but I think it, it comes down more to how we think. And that's how we change things. And so, so for example, like earlier, when you're talking about pursuing all these different potential passions, all these different sports and stuff, well, you're going to keep having the same outcome because you have a framework of how you believe it should work and it doesn't work that way. And so what you need to do is break your framework, release it, and then start over, adopt a different framework. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Dude, I've, I've, yeah. It's like, it's like, you know, my life story. I literally, like, that's literally what I've done with so many things. Yeah. 
soccer, fiddle, a um, couple different businesses, traveling around playing music, doing the whole hippie thing, <laughs> basically homeless in a van twice. Like I've done, you know, I've, <laughs> but it's like that cycle. It's like looking for something and then not finding it. Yeah. Yeah. It, that that uh, results driven results orientation. Yeah. 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 Dude, I, um, I don't know if, I mean, I'm sure you've probably been told this before, but I just, uh, I think it's very, um, I know, I, I know like posting stuff like this is not easy and I've already talked about that, but I just, I think it's very commendable that you're doing this. Um, especially as a guy, it's not always like some people think it's really weird to be like just open and vulnerable and honest about some deep stuff. Cause you know, there's the whole thing of like guys are supposed to have feelings or whatever, you know, they <laughs> think, but, um, I just think it's commendable what you're doing, man. It's cool. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I, uh, I can't let it be hard just because it's now the role that I take on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not going to say that it's easy every time. Uh, it, there, there's still that, that sense that hyper resilience, um, that we kind of grow up with as men, as, as young boys being led to believe that we can't be emotional. We can't be vulnerable. We have to be strong, stoic and resilient. Right. And those are all masculine traits, but, uh, you know, in, in, in both male and female, you have masculine and feminine, feminine traits, right. Yeah. You can express as a man, a, uh, nurturing spirit towards a child that is okay. You, you're not feminine. You're not, well, it, it, that is a feminine trait, but you're not, you know, uh, what, what would be a good word? You're not feminine for doing that. That is an expression of, um, like a gentle male, a gentle masculinity, right? Yeah. This, the, but it's like a, a, a feminine trait. Right? Yeah, you just said smart people words. <laughs> my, my uh my view on it is it's it's important to uh <laughs> it's important to still like do manly stuff and be a manly man but still you know be open and honest you know because it's I, I say that because it's funny there's it seems like there's there's always the extremes in anything but like there's either those guys that are like you know i would never shed a tear nobody's gonna see me vulnerable like I'm, um, you know, a rock and all that stuff. And then there's the guys that like go really extreme to the other side where it's like, they're too open and vulnerable. And it's like, they're, they're not, you know, they're not a, they don't have any masculine, they don't have a masculine bone in their body, yeah. um, which is not healthy, you know, in many regards. Right. Yeah. Um, of course, everybody's different. Everybody's, you know, got a different thing going on, but um, it's, it's, it's like that balance of that healthy balance of, hey, I can sit and have a deep conversation about something and heck, I might even cry or whatever. Mm-hmm. But same time, tomorrow I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to jujitsu and I'm going to roll with a guy twice my size and probably get my ass kicked. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I'm going to get slammed around. I'm going to slam some people around. We're going to, you know, it's just the caveman in me. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah. But no, I, you, you said it in a smart way. I just had to say it. <laughs> how I understand things. <laughs> no, that was great. eloquently put. I loved it. Eloquently. <laughs> yeah, I, I scripted that out on my cave wall. Dear uh, <laughs> <to your> blood. Dear <laughs> blood. Oh, oh, dear. 
that's masculine that is masculine right there <laughs> uh, that's hilarious uh okay uh we're gonna run out of time uh nearing um well i was shooting for an hour but this is okay too <laughs> oh man i remember about that i'm sorry no you're good dude you're good i i don't i don't like cutting off conversations before they're over you know but uh i do think that kind of brings us to what are your two challenges you have for our listeners? Mm. Yeah. Um, so I've heard this a couple different places. Um, but I remember the first time I heard it, it was like big epiphany, like, boom, that makes sense. Um, two roles for a happy, for a happy living, for a happy life. Um, one, be willing to experience anything. And to don't give anyone an experience that they aren't ready for or able to handle experiencing. Um, it's simple, but man, it kind of makes sense. <laughs> you yeah. Um, can you can you give me an example of like an experience that uh, like somebody might not be ready to that you could give somebody that but that they might not be able to experience or ready to experience. Mm. If you have one, you know, I do have one, um, back to family. Um, so yeah, uh, my dad and, and me, I definitely, when I left home, I didn't leave like, in, you know, the best of, um, terms. I mean, it was, everything was okay, but I just wasn't, um, I didn't have the best relationship with my parents, I guess. Okay. There was a little bit of a some conflict there, and I definitely said things that um, I gave my my parents an experience that they definitely weren't ready for. They weren't able to handle, let's say, um, and that didn't just affect them; uh, it affected the whole, you know, all the other siblings and stuff. Of course, I'm you know looked up to. I'm third oldest of twelve, like you know all that. Um, at the time, of course, I didn't care, but um, yeah, I think that's one example. Um, I know that's kind of vague, but there's, I think there's, um, there's tons of little examples throughout the day. Yeah. You know, when you're just rude to somebody, like okay. um, that's a little thing. It's nothing crazy, but it's like, you know, come on. Um, I was, you know, there's one, one thing growing up, uh, it was the reverse. I didn't give someone the experience. I was, I experienced it, uh, older kid that for some reason felt threatened by me, but he was kind of, you know, the, the odd one out of the group, um, decided he was gonna, you know, throw me around a little bit in the parking lot. Um, you know, and I was like literally like five, four or five years, maybe not that, maybe three or four years younger than him, but I was like. 11 or 12 and he was like a teenager <laughs> so it's like not an experience i was ready to have you know um okay so yeah. i think just little things like that can't think of anything that's like that i could go into great detail without the top of my head yeah well so i i bring it up because uh i'd like to push back on it a little bit just because Okay. It is interesting because you say be willing to experience anything and then don't give anyone an experience that they aren't ready for or able to handle experiencing. Yeah. So it's like, well, what about, okay, so this teenager is 
throwing you around? Why aren't you open to that experience? So this is, <laughs> it's, yeah, no, I know what you're saying. This anything. Is, <laughs> <Experience> the, anything. <laughs> so this is the, it's the intention behind it. Yeah. So if you are willing to experience anything, like not much is going to phase you. Yeah. Um, if you come to turn, like if you face the dark shit, like, which we all have, um, you go through some dark, you know, ex- go through some hard stuff or some, some demons that you battle or whatever in life, when you can face that, um, and you're like willing to experience like whatever comes, mm-hmm. um, not much is going to shake you. It's like the guys that come back from, um, like the Navy SEALs, they tell these stories and people are like, Oh my gosh, are you okay? It's like, I've seen a lot of stuff. Nothing else is going to phase me, you know? Um, so I think it's that mindset, but the second part, um, it's not, it's being intentional with how you treat other people just because, you know, you can take anything on It's being very conscious of how the experiences that you put people kind of into, um, through your actions. So back to my parents, like, I should have definitely handled the situation differently. I should have been much more respectful with some of the things I said, like the, like I was talking about earlier, like, I don't want what you guys have a little different, more harsh, but you know, I don't, I don't want to have 12 kids and work 80 hours a week and all that stuff. Now I just don't have 12 kids. I work 80 hours a week, but (laughs) um, when all they wanted, you know, for me was like to, to grow up and be, you know, they just wanted me to have a better life. Um, there's no reason for it. I gave them an experience that was very hurtful. I think, um, based off of one, I, I, I gave them an experience. It's hard to like kind of piece together in words. Um, well, uh, real quick, uh, while you're thinking about how you, how you want to piece that together, I really just wanted to get at that. Um, you expressed that this bully or this older kid yeah if you an experience that you weren't ready for and so yes. and so it's it's more so uh the fact that you were uh projecting this rule onto somebody else who has never heard it before it is your rule mm-hmm. and your responsibility to implement it yeah see what i'm saying so it's like really it's like uh i just wanted to hear you kind of reiterate it and frame it that way to where it's like uh so this is an invitation to people. It's not uh, something that they should expect from other people because yeah, they may have never heard this before, right? So I can't say don't give anyone an experience that they aren't ready for or able to handle experiencing and yeah. tell that to, to you know, get, impart that as, as advice. And then that person expects somebody else to think that way. Totally. You know? Totally. It's more of the challenge. I, I don't know if I should have been under the challenge category. <laughs> um, it's it's well, what, if, what if you think of things from that perspective? Like it's more of an invitation to, hey, yeah. here's a way of thinking that'll make for a, a, a more peaceful life. Yeah. Um, so. Well, and, and it's and it's kind of it just piggybacks the first one, the, the first one being be willing to experience anything. Yeah. And then the second one is is kind of uh, don't expect everyone else to feel the same way. 
give without um, expecting anything in return and then okay. kind of a different way to look at it, I guess. The, the, the bully thing, I'm, I mean, I don't know if I'd call the kid a bully. He was just kind of a, a jerk at the moment. I don't think that's who he is. <laughs> yeah. But um, the reason I mentioned that was because that's the one time that stands out to me that I can remember like the, it, when I first heard this, that kind of popped up in my head of like, oh yeah, uh, when you treat people a certain way and give them an experience, they don't, they're not ready for it. That's what it feels like. Um, so it's definitely not like, I, you can't expect anybody to adopt the first one mm-hmm. or the second one. Um, but it's more of an invitation of consider maybe trying this. Yeah. So. Absolutely. No, yeah, I, I like those as rules. So, or uh, challenges for uh, just to recap, those two rules for living a happy life are be willing to experience anything, and two, don't give anyone an experience that they aren't ready for or able to handle. And it, what was that from? Was that from anything? You, you know. Um... Or you said you, you might have heard, I've heard it a couple places. I've heard a couple people say it now, but I think the first person I heard it say was John. <laughs> okay. Jeez. Yeah. I know. I have like, <laughs> like a cult following now. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. Um, no, I've just, I've just learned a lot from the guy. He's really smart. Um, and I, yeah, he's doing good things. Yeah. No, I, li- I like his content. I, like I said, like we've talked about it. Like I have a couple of his classes. Um, all right. Well, you want to sh- you want to uh, give yourself a plug. Where where can we find you? Where can our listeners contact you? Know, you? Yeah, <laughs> we on your form you asked like for your socials. Yeah. What are my socials? I put an Instagram on there that actually is set to private. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Um, it's funny. I'm just getting back into actually posting on social and stuff. Um, I I took like a couple year hiatus. Um, not posting anything personally, even though I work on social media a lot. So it's kind of funny. Um, But yeah, I guess, I mean, Instagram, I don't usually accept followers. I don't know the person. Um, But yeah, McNeil Fitness is the the handle. Um, I'll probably set that to public eventually when it turns into like a, I should probably build a personal brand or something. I don't know. (laughs) Um, Could be good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, shannonmcneil.com is going to be a thing here soon, but it's literally just for the biz. Uh, it's just a marketing, um, kind of marketing hub from, you know, gym owners more interested in growing their gym, but yeah, I think, I mean, those are really the two, of course I have Facebook, but those are like friends that I usually accept, you know? So for sure. I don't know. I don't think after this podcast, bro, you think anybody's going to want to go for <laughs> absolutely absolutely (laughs) yeah um that's pretty much it yeah all right well shannon thanks for coming on of course bro thank you for having me on man i mean we met like what a week ago and you invited (laughs) me on your podcast i feel very honored absolutely i mean i appreciate that i yeah i'll take that as a compliment (laughs) you should yeah no I value, yeah, I value our conversations and, and what you bring to the table in them. So, yeah, I very much appreciate this. Of course, brother. Of course. Anytime. Anytime. All right. Well, next time. <laughs> I'll send you another form. <laughs> yeah, I'll, uh, I'll put something different in there for uh, 
for uh, the socials. Right. It's a little more creative than that. And it'll be public. It'll be a public account. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Well, for our listeners, you're listening to Rethoughts. Uh, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. And we'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to Rethoughts. Follow us on Instagram at re underscore thoughts. You can also subscribe through email on our website at rethoughts.com. Follow us on wherever you listen to podcasts. That way you can keep up with our new episodes. We love hearing from our listeners, so contact us through Instagram or our website and tell us what you've been rethinking or request a topic that you'd like us to talk about. Thanks for listening.